Good morning and welcome to the Be Unconventional podcast. I'm your host, Rakita Harper, and I'm here to help you win this week. So let's dive right in. Hey, everybody. I am finally home after an eventful weekend that literally wore me out. I really haven't had a full night's sleep in several days, so I've been taking little naps throughout the day, but I'm just glad to be back in my Colorado home. And I never thought I'd say that, yet here we are. (laughs) I have fully accepted that I am no longer physically a Texan. There you have it. Uh, Anyway, today is season two, episode five, and... This is the love of God part two. I keep getting new revelations of his love for us. And I just believe that this journey I'm on can really help others who may be battling feelings of unworthiness or feeling undeserving or guilty about good things happening in your life. I just finally realized that I was allowing the criticism, judgment, And sometimes even envy of others to determine whether or not I deserved to be gifted, talented, or promoted as if it were ever up to them. Um, I think some of you listening are going through that very thing now. Or maybe you've just gone through it so much, it's become normal. So you just downplay the big things that God is doing in your life. Or maybe you tend to downplay big doors that he has opened. Um, Maybe you've even aborted God-given opportunities before you could even give birth to them. But I'm here to tell you today, stop it. Stop living in God and stop calling what he has called worthy, unworthy. So I want to take a look at some people in the Bible who were called to do big things and how they went about doing that. I'm going to start with Nehemiah. Um, So Nehemiah learns that the wall in Jerusalem is destroyed and needs to be rebuilt. He prayed, he asked the king he served if he could go back to rebuild it. The king gives his authorization and even sends aid. And so on Nehemiah went. He and the Jews rebuilt this wall, but it was met with opposition. So we read in Nehemiah 4.1, Now it came about that when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish it in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? In verse 3, now Tobias the Ammonite was near and he said, even what they're building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their stone wall down. Now, if you keep reading, you'll see a very Old Testament prayer that we now as New Testament believers 
probably shouldn't be praying over our enemies. <laughs> um, there is a better way to pray for your enemies. So please don't pray for them the way Nehemiah prayed for his. Okay. That's all he knew. But we know Jesus. We know that forgiveness was bought with his blood. And so now we pray that our enemies will come to know him. We don't pray like Nehemiah and say, you know, don't forgive them, <laughs> which is, you know, not right. Not according to the New Testament. But moving right along, we go down to verse six <laughs> and here's our model. Nehemiah says, so we build a wall and the whole wall was joined together half of its height for the people had a mind to work. That was their response to the criticism to keep building. And I say to you this day, keep building, keep dreaming, keep planning and preparing, have a mind to work, not a mind to worry, have a mind to work and not a mind to whine and complain. Verse seven now when Sanballat, Tobias, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashadites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, and that the breaches began to be closed, they were very angry. And verse 8 says, all of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause a disturbance in it. Man, this just goes to show you that even though this was something God ordained, something spirit induced, that the enemy lives true to his description to kill, steal, and destroy. He will use anybody to help do that. But we see here, number one, that Nehemiah prayed and sought the Lord to find out what role he could play in rebuilding uh, Jerusalem's walls. Are you praying about what role you can play in society today? You've heard me say several times that the whole reason for this podcast is to encourage people to be unconventional, not go along with groupthink or the status quo, but really find out who you are in Christ and what you're called to do. Nehemiah prayed. He heard a bad news going on in his country. And he's like, I feel like I have to do something. Right? So, Lord, what is it? Number two, he didn't just pray, but he actually answered the call. A lot of us pray and we ask God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And then we never stop to actually listen or we never stop to pay attention how he could be orchestrating our lives to show us exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And number three, even though you're called and chosen, there will be opposition. That's what we see here. But what happened in the end? They prevailed. Throughout the book of Nehemiah, you'll read about several instances of people trying to knock him off his game. And it got so bad, he had instructed the Jews helping him 
to work with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other. But whatever you do, keep building. And see, now that we have a better covenant with better promises, as New Testament believers, we have a deeper revelation of the devil and how it's he who uses people. And it's not merely flesh and blood that fights against us. And in this new covenant, we just get to build knowing that we're loved by God. His love is our foundation upon which we build our lives. And we don't have to stress and wonder, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? If this is really God's plan for my life, why does it seem like every time I pick up to build, someone always comes to try to sabotage it? Well, no, we don't have to wonder that anymore. We don't even have to think like that anymore. What we get to do is rest in the fact that his love for us is greater than any plot of the enemy. I'm going to read Nehemiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 3. And then I'm going to move on to my girl Esther. Okay. But Nehemiah 6 1 through 3 says, Now when it was reported to Sambalot, Tobiah, and Gresham, the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and that no breach remained in it. Although at that time I had not set up the doors to the gates. Then Sambalot and Gresham sent a message to me saying, Come, let's meet together at Shephirim. I don't know how to say that. I'm not really good with Bible pronunciations, but in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work. And I cannot come down. Why should I stop while I leave it and come down to you? Let me read that again. Nehemiah sent word to his persecutors. <laughs> he said, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? See, this right here can actually be the end of the podcast. I am so glad Holy Spirit reminded me of this passage of scripture to encourage me to keep doing a great work. But now I'm telling you, God has called you to do great things. And look, it, it may not be building a wall, running for office, being in the spotlight or whatever. But if God himself called you to it, it's great. We have to stop measuring greatness by the world's standards and start realizing that we were all created with a purpose and that great God will never call us to do mediocre things. And if you're stuck in a state of mediocrity, I can tell you right now that's an indicator that you may not be doing what God called you to do. Because... When I say mediocre, I literally mean mediocre, like of moderate quality, not very good, common or ordinary. Because listen, when God does it, it's unconventional. The work itself might not seem great to you, but the impact will be. So if you're stuck in a state of mediocrity where the work is mediocre and the impact is mediocre. Friend, you might not be doing what God called you to do. And I'll just leave it at that. But Nehemiah said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Let that be your affirmation this week when your great work comes under attack. 
when your messy coworker wants to gossip, when your spouse wants to act up, or when your children rebel. These are all attacks from the real enemy, Satan, over whom you have authority. And just like God's love for you is unconditional, so is the authority he gave you. You can be down in the dumps, persecuted, cast down, whatever. You could be out of sync or fellowship with God. But at any point as a Christian that you make a decision to realize who you are and whose you are, you can rise up in that unconditional authority and do some damage to the enemy's kingdom. So tell your problems, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And I know I said we could probably end with Nehemiah, but I really want to go to Esther. <laughs> because I, I don't know anyone who reads the book of Esther and isn't inspired to face difficulty or inspired to face giants. But I'm going to read a brief definition of the book of Esther that sums it up so well. I can't even paraphrase it. But I'm reading this from Jewish Women's Archive or JWA.com. And it says, in the biblical book named after her, Esther is a young Jewish woman living in the Persian diaspora who finds favor with the king, becomes queen, and risks her life to save the Jewish people from destruction when the court official Haman persuades the king to authorize a pogrom against the, all of the Jews of the late Parian slash early Hellenistic period. So that's a good little summary for those of you who love Bible history. Uh, but we read in the book of Esther that she was the only one of the eligible ladies in the kingdom who actually captured the heart of the king. And they were both so head over heels in love with each other. And while there's nothing wrong with that, she almost let her affections <laughs> pull her away from what she was called to do as a queen. And her cousin Mordecai sent word to her that the king had agreed to the destruction of her people. He hoped that she would be able to plead with the king and seek favor from him. But listen to Esther's response. I think she had just gotten really comfortable as a queen only. And it says in Esther 4.11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court without being summoned, he has but one law, and that is to be put to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And as for me, I have not been summoned to come to the king for these last 30 days. So Mordecai sent word back to Esther and said in verse 13, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. Verse 14, For if you remain silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish since you did not help when you had the chance, and who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this and for this very purpose. What did Mordecai do here? 
He reminded her of who she was. And this is so important that as you succeed and do your great work, that you always remember the why. And I'll go a step further and say that you always need people in your life when you're, as you're rising to the top, keep people around you who are going to remind you of your why. People who are going to keep you grounded. I'm not sure if Esther just thought she was favored by God to go from a peasant to a queen, but with promotion comes the responsibility of serving others. And when God promotes you, it's not for you to continue to be self-seeking. Like he's promoting you because he trusts you with his people. There's something for you to do for somebody else when you get promoted, especially as a leader, right? So I'll leave Mordecai's response to her, spoke deeply to her because here's how she responded this time. We read in verses 15 and 16. Esther says, go, gather all the Jews that are present in Susa and observe a fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maids will also fast in the same way. Then I will go in to see the king without being summoned, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Notice how Her response changed once she realized who she was and what she was actually called to do. When you know in your knower that God is calling you to do something great, you can confidently say, if I perish, let me perish. That's a bold one. But notice she wanted to consecrate herself before she just went in to see the king. See, even though God called you to do something great, it's important to wait on his instructions on how and when to do what he called you to do. So in conclusion today, I just want to encourage you because the enemy's plot will never stop God's plan. Don't come down from building. Seek the Lord on how and when he wants you to do the great work and walk confidently knowing that you are strengthened to do a great work simply because he loves you. He loved you enough to put those gifts and talents on the inside of you. He loved you enough to touch the heart of people in high places so that you can experience favor with God and man. And he loves you so much that he gave his only son for you. I'm going to pray for you now. Father, we thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you for allowing us to experience favor with you and with man. We thank you for always protecting us, leading us, and even guiding us into deeper revelations of your love for us. Help us not to be distracted by the lies of the enemy. I pray that each listener will allow you, Father, to love them 
to the point to where they are so busy doing the great work you called them to that they don't even notice the Sanballat, Tobias, or Haman's. Thank you, Lord, for showing us when and how to do the great work you've called us to from a place of your love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you're listening to this and you haven't made the decision to receive salvation through Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. John 10.10 reminds us that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. He's a dream stealer, a dream killer, and a dream destroyer. But that same verse says Jesus comes to give you life and life more abundantly. So repeat after me the simple prayer of salvation. Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. By faith in your word, I receive salvation now. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And just like that, Welcome to the kingdom of God. Today is the first day of the best days of your new life. God bless you guys, and I'll talk to you next week. If today's episode was a blessing to you, or if you received Jesus into your heart, There are a few ways you can let me know so I and other listeners can celebrate with you. Number one, subscribe and leave a review. Number two, send me a private message on the Be Unconventional Instagram and Facebook socials. Or you can email me at rakitaharper at gmail.com. Number three, leave what I would like to call a victory voicemail by simply using the link in the bio of the Be Unconventional socials on Instagram and Facebook. Your voicemail may end up on an episode. And lastly, share with others. I'm your host, Rakita Harper, reminding you to be encouraged, be empowered, be inspired, but most importantly, be unconventional.